come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray for our delinquished members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that's having difficulty at this time. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you look down on them and bless them with the thing. Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's working on the front line. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you continue watching over them and keeping them saved, Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father, we say a special prayer for the, this congregation here at Inglewood Church of Christ. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you continue strengthening us in your word, Heavenly Father. And we just pray that we'll continue loving each other more and more. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll become a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And Heavenly Father, we pray for the schools and the students that's in school. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you'll continue keeping them safe from any hurt, harm, or danger. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he come deliver us the bread of life. We just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen, though, Lord, we'll listen toward eternity because these will be eternal matters he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, but also doers of your word, Heavenly Father, and that we might go and tell, teach and tell others what they must do to be saved. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that this worship service will be done decent and in order. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer, and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All the blessing we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please turn to page 851 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that is page 851 in your faith and praise books. I fly away. Once again, that is page 851 in your faith and praise books. Follow us. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll, I'll fly away, you know that I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll, I'll fly away in the morning and when I Hallelujah, by and by, and I'll, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have grown, I'll, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars' phone, I'll, I'll fly away. You know that I'll, I'll fly away. Hallelujah, by and by, and I'll fly away. Just
just a few more weary days and then I'll, I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never reign. I'll, I'll fly away, you know that I'll, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning, and when I die, hallelujah, by and by, and I'll, I'll fly away, you know that I'll, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll, I'll fly away in the morning, and when I die, hallelujah, by and by, and I'll, I'll fly away. Man. Please don't turn one page over to page 852. Once again, it's page 852 in your faith and praise books. When the roll is called up yonder. Once again, that is page 852 in your faith and praise book. Bob, let us sing. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, and when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. And when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all this wondrous loving care. Uh, then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, oh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Man. Please turn to page 589 in your faith and praise books. Once again, that's page 589 in your faith and praise books. Leaning on the everlasting arms. 
Once again, that's page 589 in your faith and praise book. Father, let us sing. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. And what a blessing is, what a peace is mine, I'm leaning on the everlasting safe and secure from all the law. You know that we're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on Jesus. We're leaning on the everlasting arms. And oh, how sweet to walk in Turn to page 14 in your sacred selection psalm books. Once again, that's page 14 in your sacred selection psalm books. This will be our final psalm before Brother Culpepper comes to give us the message for this morning. Once again, that is page 14 in your sacred selection psalm books. My God is real. Amen. Father, let us sing. 
there are some things I may not know, and there are some faces I can't go, I cannot go, but I am sure of this one thing, that my God is real, for I can feel Him in my soul, and yes, my God is real, God is, yes, He's real in my soul, He's real in my soul, and my God is real, for He has washed and made me whole, and yes, love for me is love for it's just like big gold, like big gold, and my God is real, for I believe that he's in my soul. Some folks may die, some folks may scorn, and all can go on and leave me alone, leave me alone, but as for me, I'll take God's far, and my God is real, for I believe that he's in my heart, and yes, my God is real, God is Yes, he's real in my soul, he's real in my soul, and my God is real, for he has washed and made me whole, and yes, his love for me, his love for me, it's just like big gold, like big gold, and my God is real, for I believe that he's in my soul. And yes, my God is real. If God is real. Yes, he's real in my soul. He's real in my soul. And my God is real. For he has washed and made me whole. Yes, his love for me. Yes, his life who have been found, and they've been found because God is real. If it were not for the Lord, there would be no reason for us to be in worship service today. But I believe he's here in our soul, 
Paul said in the Ephesians text, Ephesians chapter 3, that it is God that dwells in us by faith. It is Christ that dwells in us by faith and by extension the Holy Spirit dwells in us by faith. And so it is our faith that validates that song. And I'm going to say that again. It's our faith that validates that song, that he is here in our soul. The word of God supports it. And so we just thank God so much for a song that can be sung such as that to encourage us as we go on our way, especially during times such as these as we are challenged on every side. There are many things that are confronting the church and by extension, the church in general, there are many things that are confronting each and every one of us as members of that body, of the kingdom. And it confronts us individually. But nevertheless, we know that God is real. And being that he is real, we know that we have access to the throne room of God through prayer. And knowing that we have the access to God through prayer, we know that we can go to him for whatever it is that we are in need of. Jesus made it very clear when he says, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. And so we know that we can go to the Heavenly Father in prayer and God will answer uh, according to our needs. We thank God that we believe he is here uh, in our soul. I want to call your attention very quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We appreciate so very much the brethren have come before us thus far, brother. Cole Pepper Jr., if you will, and uh, appreciate Brother Joseph and Brother uh, uh, Martin for leading us in uh, the reading and the singing uh, and the prayer uh, of God's word. It's always a blessing to be able to come to a sound worship service uh, where you can just get what you are expected to have presented and Please the Lord and uh, let the Lord receive it as a sweet-smelling savor, and then you can go home an, another way. Amen. You can go home strengthened in God's word. Now, surely, Amen. we can give you a whole lot of philosophy, but philosophy is not going to save your soul. Uh, philosophy doesn't lead anyone from out of darkness into the marvelous light. As a matter of fact, uh, 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 Paul would remind us, and he would remind the Corinthians, beware of philosophy. Philosophy doesn't lead you anywhere but after the rudiments of the world not after God. We need to know these things because we are living in the Christian dispensation where God has placed life. Now you may recall that we have uh, been uh, speaking on the, the subject, the seed of the sower. And we have been talking about the seed of the sower and we've been uh, addressing the the various uh, thoughts concerning the, uh, the power of the sower, the purpose, and the, and the, uh, and the promise, if you will. And we, 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 we talked about all those things that led us to the conversation about the, uh, the, 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 the power of the light. And so we've been talking about uh, the power of the light. We've been talking about how it uh, shines forth into darkness. And we, we talked about how uh, darkness 
uh, is defined in the biblical text, either figuratively or literally, uh, depending on the context in which it is used. But in each of those contexts, uh, darkness, if you will, always contemplated uh, a place that God was leading you through or leading you from. Uh, and so we, we, we thank God for, uh, for that uh, understanding of the biblical text. We, we said there's only two times uh, in the biblical text where God gives us this uh, significant uh, uh, comparison and contrast uh, between darkness and light. And uh, in the Genesis text, in the beginning, we know it is very much physical. It is material, for he addresses the uh, concept that uh, in the beginning the world was dark, it was void. Uh, but then he said, let there be light. And we know that uh, by the biblical text, we know that that light that illuminated uh, in darkness was the sun, the S-U-N. And so we know that it shined forth into the darkness, and through that shining forth, God began to create all the things that we know uh, that, it, uh, that was uh, created in the then-known world at that time. And so we, we, we recognize the, the first time that God showed the contrast and the comparison between uh, light and darkness. And I need to say this because it is it's important uh, that we understand that uh, there's only one singularity of light uh, identified in both of these particular uh, uh, contexts when we talk about the physical, and then I'll speak a moment about the spiritual. But in the physical, uh, uh, there was only one light. God said, let the greater light rule the day and the lesser light re, uh, 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 rule the night. And some people say, oh, there were two different lights. That, that's not what that text means. The sun ruled the day. The moon that shined, that reflected rather, the sun's light uh, was in the night. Uh, but nevertheless, the source of the light was the same. There's only one source. And we need to understand that because, you know, when we get to the spiritual side, don't, don't, don't miss the point. In the physical world, there's only one source of light, and that is the sun. Everything else is a reflection of that light. Everything else is a reflection of that light. It uses that light in some sort uh, of way. Then in the spiritual side, there's also one source of light. And that one source of light, light is the Son of God, the S-O-N. The Bible teaches us very quick, clearly that in John chapter 1 in the gospel, remember we quoted these texts for your, for your notes and for your remembrance. Uh, in the beginning uh, was, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word uh, became flesh and dwelt among men, and, 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 and we read those texts, and we also read where uh, John said he was not that uh, light, but uh, he that cometh would be the light, and the light would be the life of all men, and that would be the Son of God, the S-O-N. And it was the S-O-N that shined forth in darkness, and that darkness was spiritual darkness. It was the darkness of sin. As the world was encompassed in darkness in the beginning, in the physical, so was and so is uh, the world, if you will, in, during the New Testament text, could compass uh, in the sin of darkness or darkness of sin. And so we, we, we recognize that these two times, these two moments, the physical and the spiritual, God shows the comparison and contrast between light and darkness. 
God brings forth through his word. That seed, which Luke calls the word of God, leading us out of our darkness, as he did in the Old Testament text with the children of Israel during the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the day he led them as a, a pillar, if you will, a cloud that led them through the wilderness of their lives, through the Canaanites and Jebusites and the uh, Girgashites and the Hivites and all the various uh, challenges that they would have to go through in order to inherit or to receive Canaan land. All of these things God led them through. In the day he was in a cloud, in the, in the pillar of a cloud, but in the nighttime he was the pillar of fire to give them light so that they may be guided and navigated, if you will, in the proper way to go as they traverse the world at night. David would remind us in the psalm that there is something significant to this because it was God who continued to lead them and to guide them through all of their challenges. It was God that was placed in front of them in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant that we read about in the Old Testament text when the Ark was before the children of Israel. They were being led by uh, 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 the Ark of the Covenant and being the Ark of the Covenant, they were being led by God. Well, David lets us know that the word of God, which Luke records as is the seed, if you will, is the same in its analogy in that we are led by the word of God through our wilderness. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my pathway. And so we know that the similarity of the Old Testament as we compare it to the New Testament in the spiritual realm, it is God who is leading us through his word out of our darkness through the wildernesses of our lives to get us to a certain place which is eventually heaven's glory, which a word called salvation. We must traverse this world we must go through the challenges of life but not become distracted we need to keep our eyes on Jesus we need to keep our eyes on Christ we need to keep our focus in the word because that is what guides us heaven and earth Peter says shall pass away but the word of God shall never pass away David made it very clear in the sense of our, our biblical text that we use to ground this theme and to launch from it in Matthew 13 when he talks about the, the seed of the sower uh, and, the, and, the, and where the seed was being sown, which was in the heart of all men. David made it very clear. He says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Is the word of God that guides us as we traverse this world, as we go through the challenges of this life. It is the word of God that guides our thinking, guides our behavior. It's the word of God that strengthens us and comforts us, lifts us up when we're down, builds us up when we need to be fortified. It is the word of God. It will not ever change. The source of our strength is singular. It is God's son that gave us the word. Amen. Amen. In John chapter 16, when he said unto the apostles, 
He, he said that, that they shall be guided into all truth. Not that they will make up stuff. But that they will be guided into all truth. Amen. And when the apostles were being guided into all truth, they knew that through their commitment to God and God's commitment to them through the form of Jesus Christ, that they would eventually become martyrs for the word of God. Not military combatants. Amen. But spiritual soldiers for the cause of Christ. The word of God would make people feel uncomfortable. The truth of the matter would make people feel uncomfortable. And their uncomfortableness would lead them to want to destroy and to silence God's word. But the Christian, the child of God, had to stand up and let truth be known. In the face of death, the word of God needs to be spoken and made known. Paul reminds us, or Luke rather, reminds us, if you will, through the time when Stephen, if you will, was being stoned to death. Luke records the book of Acts, and he reminds us when Stephen was being stoned, he said, you have killed all the prophets. Even in the Old Testament, those who were faithful prophets, prophetes, those who spoke before God. They were destroyed because of teaching God's word. They got so tired of Isaiah, they, t- they told Isaiah, you need to speak unto us smooth thing. We tired of all this stuff. We tired of hearing what God says. You need to tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. And, I mean, that's what they got. They got to this point where they, want to, they killed all the prophets because the prophets said, thus saith the Lord. When they started with that, they were told they were already upset because they knew they won't get truth. Amen. But you cannot stop where, 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 where the world wants you to stop. You have to go where God leads and takes you. And that is through the word of God. Paul gives us 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We drop down. We had read the earlier verses the previous Sunday, verses 1 through 6. It talks about if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who have been blinded by the gods of the, uh, the gods of this world. And we know that the gods of this world is a, is, a, is a figurative description of the ideas of sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. We were children of diso- disobedience. We followed after the principalities and powers of the air. We were all in sin. Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for the ungodly. We were all in our sins. Those are the gods of this world, the God of this world. But he made it very clear that there is a ministry, there's a manifestation of the truth. And this is what they commended themselves to. They, 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 they committed themselves to teach the truth of God's word. All the apostles had committed themselves to teach God's word. All of the prophets had committed themselves to teach God's word. And let me stop here for a moment just to give this, if you will, this, this, this the credit to whom credit is due. The faithful women that served with the apostles and, if you say, the faithful with prophetes, the prophetess who, who served with the prophets, they also, if you will, committed themselves to do what was right the men of God the women of God worked together hand in hand in the roles that they were given in order that the word of God might be perpetuated and fulfilled this is the way the church works this is the way God's people come together this is the way the people of God will be saved these things will not change no matter what happens in the world 
These principles are based on God's word and they will not change. They will not change. In 2 Corinthians 4, we would go on, and, and as we read in the scripture reading this morning, as we drop down to, uh, if you will, for, to verse number 5, for we preach not ourselves, and I, I'm glad that somebody understands that. We preach not ourselves. When the prophets spoke, they weren't talking about themselves. They were talking about what thus said the Lord. We preach not ourselves. When the children of Israel, after they had continued to be disobedient to God, and God allowed for the, the Babylonians to take the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin and the remaining tribe of Levi, those tribes, if you will, remained to collectively cause the tribes of Judah, but they were, they were taken into Babylon. Prior to that, the other ten tribes, if you will, were taken by Assyria, and the Assyrians took them into captivity, and they were never heard from again until God allowed them to return part of the tribes of Judah back to Jerusalem. They stayed in Babylon for 70 years. Why is all this important? Because God sent a prophet by the name of Ezekiel down to Babylon to remind them folk why they were in Babylon. They got so comfortable in Babylon and seeing that they forgot that God was on the line. And they said, well, what, 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 you know, what are we supposed to do now? Are we supposed to remain here? Ezekiel had his body presented as a sacrifice to show them that God is still with them. But this is the suffering that you go through because of the, cho- the cho- choices that you made to become part of Babylon. Seventy years. The children of Israel, the tribes of Judah and Levi and Benjamin remained in captivity in Babylon. Seventy years, Jeremiah would make the prophecy that they would be there for three score and ten. For 70 years, they would be in Babylon. Three generations. Three generations lost in sin because the people turned away from God. We read last time, Hosea reminded us that when the people turned away away from God, it wasn't only about the immediate generation, but it was about the generation that would come after them, the generation X, the generation Z, the generation Y, whatever generation, the millennial generation, whatever generation you are a part of, when when the generation of the current moment turns away from God, it takes three generations for it to come back right. People are being lost in those generations. The church hasn't gone out of business. It hasn't ceased to exist. But the challenge is to get people to come back to faith. Because people have lost their way. They become comfortable in Babylon or in L.A. I mean Babylon. I mean Inglewood. Uh, Babylon. Amen. I'm, I'm comfortable somewhere, right? They become comfortable instead of knowing what the truth is, amen. They, they become comfortable with what the world is doing and become comfortable and satisfied what the world is doing. And so you have to understand that when the church, if you will, uh, 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 leaves the word of God and people begin to be drawn away into the world out from the church, it takes another generation to get people to return like, like Zerubbabel had to come back and get the people focused on the church again. They came back to build the the foundation of the church. And and, and, and Ezra, if you will, came back with Zerubbabel and and began the preaching of the gospel once again, if you will. They preached the gospel, the teaching of God's word, in in Jerusalem once again. And then, if you will, Nehemiah comes back and rebuilds the wall and, and, and fortifies the church again. Let me tell you something. This is not something unusual. This is what happens when people leave the word of God. Whenever people leave the word of God, this is what happens. 
not only does your generation begin to collapse, the generations that come behind you are collapsing. That's why it's so important for us to remember no matter how far a generation may stray from the faith, the word of God is still our compassed home to glory. Because you can always come back to the word. As long as God has given us oxygen in our lungs and, and the ability to articulate his truth, you can always come back to truth. When the world is over, then it's over. Amen. That's the only thing I like about the, 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 the old of the dog called Rover. When you're dead all over, amen. When the world comes to an end, when Jesus comes back from the right hand of the Father, you can forget about it. There's no more salvation coming. That's the end of this story. In your story, amen. Nevertheless, we find ourselves. We preach not ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. He's speaking about the apostles. He's speaking about those who were, those 12 men who were being faithful, if you will, to continue to uh, 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 preach and teach God's word throughout the then known world. But they were preaching it because the people needed to be saved. The people were in darkness. Jesus had opened their eyes and given them light. But the people needed light. They needed to be able to see the testimony of Jesus Christ. They needed to be able to see the testimony of the seed. The seed in Galatians chapter 3 is not the seed as of many, but the seed that was promised unto Abraham was not unto the seed as of many, but the seed that was promised to Abraham was the seed as of one, and that seed is Christ. They needed to, people need to know the testimony of Christ. Because we preach not ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ. And not only do we preach Jesus Christ, our Lord, but we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he died for the sins of the whole world. Amen. The challenge of this testimony was given to the apostles. But now the apostles are gone. Amen when you can. I don't care what you see in the world. I don't care what you see in the world. I know a whole lot of folk want to claim something. Amen. Uh, but uh, 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 as our study on Wednesday night helps us to understand in Revelations uh, when he was speaking to the, the various uh, 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 congregations of the churches of Christ, if you will, he said to them, I, 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 I'm glad that you have tried those who claim to be apostles and found them to be liars. You can't just claim to be an apostle. Amen. You can, you can put the name on the wall, but that don't make you that. Amen. Amen. I can, I can claim to be the king of England. But that ain't going to make me the king of England. Amen. Amen. Uh, the apostles, if you will, uh, were, were unique in that God chose each and every one of them. And God said there was a, a prerequisite that only those apostles could meet in order to become qualified as an apostle. Number one, ultimately, Jesus had to choose who the apostle would be because Matthias was chosen because the lots fell on him because God had, uh, 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 if you will, uh, determined that he would be the apostle to take Judas's bishopric. That was God's doing. They prayed, they cast lots. Lots fell on Matthias. 
With that being said, we find the apostles were ones who had to be with Jesus from the beginning, from a certain time. Right? From a certain time. They had to be with Jesus, seeing Jesus. Amen. Amen. There was, only, there was only one apostle that God, if you will, identified as one being born in due season. One who did not walk with him from the beginning. But God, if you will, still revealed himself unto him. And, 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 and by revealing himself unto him, the book of Acts helps us to understand that apostle was, uh, was Paul, if you will, who became an apostle. But Jesus revealed himself to Paul. He saw Jesus, if you will. He talked with Jesus. Amen. When Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus as he was going, if you will, to, make, if, uh, to, to, to lead more Christians into jail, he, 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 if you will, revealed himself unto him. And he says, he says, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Paul said, whose name became Paul, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. So then Paul was ordained and made an apostle. Paul makes it very clear, not by the will of man, but by Jesus Christ. These are the apostles during the time of this writing. Paul gives us the Corinthian text, and so he's speaking about them who have been preaching the gospel and who have uh, 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 placed their lives in, in a position to be taken as martyrs for the cause of Christ. Verse number six says, for we, for God rather, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. He's speaking about the apostles. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power be, may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Woo, that, 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 boy, that hopes me. I don't know about you. Because Paul said, look, you, you, you think you're going through stuff. Let me tell you something. That ain't new. As children of God, you look out into the world, and though we may use different modern terms to describe it, perplexity is perplexed. We may say, well, boy, this is confusing. This is strange. This is crazy. This is ignorant. This don't make no kind of sense. Paul says, look, just say perplexed. We're just perplexed about what's going on. And, and, and if you stay with it for a long period of time without having anything to gird you up and to strengthen you and to build you up, you become despair. Despair kicks in. You become discouraged. Distressed about what you see. those who continue to hold to God's word and continues to try to put forth the truth of the matter, the seed, and to sow that seed in the hearts of people, you'll find yourself, if you will, being persecuted. Because you just want people to be saved. You do realize the whole purpose, and uh, I'm, I'm in my last 
quarter of the closing of this, this theme of the seeds of the sower. So we're making a transition from the power of the light because, see, we talked about traversing the earth, the, the world, through the power of the light leading and guiding us. We come from darkness. We know where we started. We started in darkness. Now we have traversed the discussion about the light, and now we're coming through the light because there must be a purpose to this, right? There's a promise and there's a power. There's got to be a purpose. There's got to be a reason for all of this. And God says the reason and the purpose is, is that one day we want to be in heaven's glory. We want to be saved. And so we acknowledge the perplexity. We acknowledge the despair that sometimes we go in and out of ebbs and flows of life. We acknowledge the distress that we have to deal with, with all of the different issues that go on in the world. But we keep our eyes focused on heaven's glory. Because the purpose is for us to be saved. When God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, amen, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt, where Abraham was called Hebrew, and his lineage was called Hebrew, amen, when they were taken out of Egypt, there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Nevertheless, they came out of Egypt. God led them out of Egypt. We got folk trying to take you back to Egyptology and teach you. About how to be saved. Well, if you can be saved in Egypt with Egyptology, I'm I'm wondering why God took them out of there. But I ain't got time to deal with all that. But he took them out. God chose the Hebrew people, and he chose those Hebrew people, if you will, and he taught them about the oneness, the the, if you will, the, 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 the oneness of who God is. The one God, the one true God. Not the multiple gods, the many gods. That were in Egypt. But he brought them all across. The Red Sea and through the wilderness. To eventually get them to Canaan land. Well we too are. Marching through our wilderness. Being guided through the light. By the seed. God's word. By Christ. To get to our spiritual Canaan land. In verse number 7 in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, Paul says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And that treasure of earthen vessels was the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That was the previous verse. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, if we make it to heaven, it won't be because of how good we've been. But it will be because how good God is. And we all need mercy. Amen. We all need mercy. And thank God for his grace. Amen. Amen. But we certainly need mercy. But the glory will be because of God and not of ourselves. And so in verse number nine, he goes on and says, but, uh, but we are, they, they are persecuted, but, but not forsaken. They are, they are cast down, but not destroyed. You see, as long as you have the strength of God within you, within your heart, the seed of God's word, sometimes you stumble and fall, but you can still get up. And sometimes when the, when, the, when the influences that have been left in the world that are still perpetuated by those who have, if you will, adopted the behavior of Satan, amen. I, I, I'm tired of folk trying to blame the devil for what they do. No, you have adopted the behavior of the devil. Own it. Amen. That way you can deal with it. It's not blaming him for stuff. Devil kicking back, eating popcorn, watching the show. <laughs> you got to own it. 
And when you have the behaviors, you need to under- identify them so that you can change them. But nevertheless, the, when, when, even when these, these influences that have been left in the world, if you will, that have been adopted by humanity, that they continue to perpetuate uh, and, and, and use against one another, I thank God that with the strength of his word being within us, not only does it strengthen us, it fortifies you. It builds up your wall of resistance to be able to withstand the stratagems, the wiles of the devil. That is called your spiritual armor. Paul told the church at Ephesus, put on the whole armor of God. See, a lot of us, we got problems with putting on the whole armor. We put on bits and pieces and think that's enough. No, 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 no. A soldier doesn't go to battle with bits and pieces of armor. A soldier goes to battle well-dressed. Prepared for the spiritual battle. And so Paul lets us know by his analogy of the, of, the, of the Roman soldier in the Ephesian text, he lets us know when you put on that whole armor of God, you put on the helmet, you put on the breastplate, you put on the feet shod, you put on, if you have your sword in your hand, you're well prepared. All vital organs are protected, amen. And you, you, you're making sure that, 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 that whatever the, 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 the blow may be, that if, it, if it's going toward one of your vital organs, you're able to withstand that blow. But if you don't have your breastplate on, amen, it doesn't make any, it's not good to have just your helmet on. If your breastplate is off, then you're exposed. And where do you think the devil influence is going to affect you? It's going to affect you at the weakest point. That's why you got to put on the whole arm of God. And that's why Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, when he talks about the word of God, remember something here. When Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17, when we read to be full of the word, be overwhelmed with the word, overcome with the word, be full of the word that builds you up, amen. Because let me tell you something, when your whole eye is light, then righteousness is what guides you. But if your whole eye is evil, then darkness is all within you. But we put on that whole arm of God. That we may be able to withstand. And let me tell you something. When, it, when you talk about a spiritual warfare, you got to fight with spiritual weaponry. Amen. This is a spiritual warfare. Don't, you know, look, you got to make sure that you understand that we're, we're, not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. The devil has left, the devil left behind uh, 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 spiritual wickedness, evil. And people have adopted those behaviors. And they continue to perpetuate Going from one generation to the next. But if we're going to withstand them, we can't withstand. You know, there are those who have this radical idea of Christianity where we're supposed to be out there fighting in the street. That ain't how we fight. We fight with the weaponry that God has given us. And that weaponry is the word of God. Amen. The weaponry in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 1, Paul says, look. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech, beg you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Lord, have mercy. Now you got to understand something here. This is all, this is, this, this is all a prelude to our, our, our last three, uh, uh, three topics of this, uh, of this year. You got to understand something. That if Jesus wanted to wipe all the wicked people out of the face of the earth, he could have did that when he got here. 
something hard for him to do? Do, do you not understand that if, if, if that's the way God wanted to cleanse the world of wickedness, it wouldn't have been hard for him to do that. But God looked at changing the heart, changing the soul, because he wanted to save people from sin. Not kill them, but save them. This was God's focus, and this is, this is God's focus then, it's God's focus now, that he might save mankind from the sin that the devil perpetuated in the world. That's why repentance is so important. When Ephesians 1 and 7 says we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, that's why repentance is so important. When one has sinned, they ask God for forgiveness, and God forgives them, and that same blood of Christ cleanses you from all your past sin. But nevertheless, we're back in 2 Corinthians 10, and Paul says, Now I, now I Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who, is, who, is presence, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I, see, I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. We don't walk according to the flesh. We used to, but that's not how we walk anymore. Amen. We walk according to the Spirit. For though we walk in the flesh, notice the difference. <laughs> walk according to the flesh versus walking in the flesh. Paul makes it very clear. Yeah, your soul is still in the flesh, but you don't let the flesh lead you. you. Let the flesh lead you. Back in the day, back in the day when somebody rubbed us wrong, you know, we, we were not only in the flesh, we walked according to the flesh. Amen. And that, that, that when, somebody, when, 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 somebody, when somebody did stuff to us back in the day, it was our flesh that gave direction. And many times it was a left and then a right. Amen. I don't believe you right there. Pick up on it when you can. But he says, we walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. That's not how we how Christians do that. We have become full of, a, we have the more powerful weapon that the world could ever possess if we learn how to use it. And that weapon is God's word. Because see, the weapon, look, let me tell you something. The weapon may not save your flesh, but it'll save your soul. Amen. I mean, I know that sounds a little deep. We're going to be all right. But let me tell you something. When you are in a battle of spiritual warfare, you have to understand something. That which is temporal has a high probability of being lost. You've got to understand that. Even before Jesus comes back. 
How do you know that? Because that has been the, the, the pattern of the word of God. The prophets, if you will, lost their physical lives, but if they remain faithful, the blood of Christ rolls back and gets them too. That's Hebrews chapter 9. You see. All who died faithful under the first covenant, under the first testament, if you will, they died faithful. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the roll call of faith, shows us all the Old Testament characters that died faithful under God. And how the word of God, how the blood of Christ would roll back and get them. Let me tell you something. In a battle of spiritual warfare, the flesh may be lost, but guess what? The flesh has always been temporary anyway. For it's appointed unto man once to die. And, that's the, and after this, the judgment. And we don't do anything foolishly with the exercising of our fleshly existence. We use God's word as, as he has presented it to us, where Romans chapter 12 says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So you don't use your flesh in a foolish way. You use it to continue to perpetuate the truth of God's word in the way that you live in the way that you communicate to others. That's why your epistles known and read of all men. The living epistles. But back in the web, back in the in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, look, we don't we 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 walk in the flesh, but not we don't war after the flesh. Verse number four, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not carnal. It's not carnal. But mighty. Through God. To what? To the pulling down of strongholds. Well, where are those strongholds? Those strongholds are in the imagination of people. Verse number five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having a readiness to Revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You don't look on things after the, do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts in himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ's, even so are we Christ's. For though I should boast Somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would testify you, testify, if you will, by letters. This recertifies Paul's original argument that helps us to understand that the apostles were given authority to preach and teach God's word. But Paul's making an argument here because there were those who were questioning that authority. They were questioning whether or not the apostles had the authority to lead and guide people, if you will, as, 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 uh, as they had proclaimed through God's word, through the, the exercising even of many miracles. There were still individuals of the world who would question the apostles' authority. Not only was that happening then, but that is happening now where people are rejecting the apostles' authority and making it as if, oh, that's an option, but that ain't the only option. There's only one son! There's only one son. Not many, not two. There's one son. And that son gave us the word through these apostles. And through these apostles, we learn the truth of God's word. And we obey it 
accordingly because that seed is placed in our hearts, in our spiritual hearts. And by being placed in our spiritual hearts, we're then able to move forward uh, as we traverse through the wilderness being guided by the light to eventually get to Canaan's land. All right. So that's the opening. Toward our last few sermons, God bless us to live. I can't even believe it's, it's almost at the end of October. We only have a few more months left in this year. What a challenging year it has been. But nevertheless, we, we continue to remain focused on God's word. And, and as we now hear the testimony of Jesus, because before you close any theme, and as I endeavored to do over the years of my preaching, it, it always ends with a significant focus on who Christ is. Because, see, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus is at the right hand of God. He is God's right hand. And when God sends him back from his right hand, he's sending the son, S-O-N, back to receive the church. That, 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 is, that, is, that is the biblical text. The, the, the whole idea of the, uh, of, the, of the right hand, the doxios, if you will, the right hand uh, uh, a place, is a place of honor and a place of authority. And you may remember, when Jesus spoke in Matthew 7, When Jesus spoke the word of God, those who listened to what he said were able to discern that he was not speaking as if he was uh, a third person speaking on behalf of, 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 of someone else in the shadow. But he was speaking of the Godhead and the power and the position that it has. In Matthew chapter 7, I'm not going to read all of this, but I'll start at a familiar verse for you. Verse number 13. In a year and at the straight gate, that's a good place to start. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But cause straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. That life is Christ Jesus. He is the light and the life of all men. And there will be a few that find it. Verse number 15, beware of false prophets. Y'all knew there had to be a connection somewhere, right? There are a whole lot of folk who preach a whole bunch of stuff that ain't true. But beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothes. They look good, sound good, smell good. But just because you claim to be something doesn't make you that. You look like a sheep. Amen. But spend some time with it. Start seeing some fangs growing and 
claws coming out. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You know why? Because they're not full of light. They're full of darkness. They may look good. Verse number 16. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Just spend some time with them. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Let me tell you something. You can only keep up that pretense for so long. Amen. How many wolves you know can hang out with the sheep until they start eating one? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know why the psalm was... Read this morning from Psalm 124. I don't know. I don't know why it came up, but 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 when when I heard it say that that we are we are carried away from uh, 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 as uh, prey, keeping it from their teeth, I said, Lord, that verse is there's some text here. You see, when you with the Lord, the Lord, though you may not see where the wolf is, the Lord knows where he is. Amen. Devil knows where the, I mean, the, the, the Lord knows where the, where the influence of the devil is present. You're not fooling the Lord. He knows. But he goes on and says, look, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, some people want to think that that's a fireplace. Well, let me tell you something. That's a place of fire. And it burns. Everlasting to everlasting. You know, some people would be say, Brother Kobe, it would be inappropriate for you to use this word because in the English language, we, we, we have said this word, is a, this word is, is a curse word. But let me tell you something. The Bible speaks about hell. I'm going to speak about it. Amen. Amen. You don't want to hear what it is. Yeah, we don't want folk to go to hell, but let's guess what? The Bible says you can be cast. Amen. And there is where it burns for everlasting to everlasting. Perhaps that is why God says, fear not him who can destroy the body. But fear him who can destroy both body and soul in H-E double hockey sticks. No, hell! This ain't no hockey game. No, this is, this, is, this is about your soul. And God doesn't want you to be destroyed. He wants you to be saved. But you're going to have to let the seed guide you. Because the right hand of the Father has authority. And when that authority comes down, let me tell you something. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we all must stand before the judgment bar of God and give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So he goes on and says, look, in verse number 20, Matthew 7 and 20, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. See? But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. The ultimate end of the purpose of the seed is to get you to heaven. Is to get you to heaven. That's, that's, that's the end game. Amen. Many will say unto me, or say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied? 
So you got folk trying to pretend to be prophets? In thy name, in, in thy name have I, 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 I cast out devils. You a devil yourself. And in thy name done many wonderful works. All the service I've committed. But who are you committing it for? Who are you doing the service for? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liketh him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. If you do what God has said, if you hear God's word, he says you can build your house upon a rock. You can become fortified. Your foundation becomes solidified. And when your house begins to be bombarded by the wickedness of the influences of the devil, you'll be able to stand. The rains came and descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. It was fortified with God's word. Solidified on God's word. And that's why John tells us, be not removed from the hope of the gospel. I don't care what happens in this world. My hope is in the gospel. Don't let the gospel be hid. No, let the gospel be spoken. Let it be manifested among the ears of those with whom you uh, hang out with. But he says... And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be liketh unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let me tell you something and I know this is going to sound a little a little hard. You know, it, it, sometimes the word of God, you know, as, as children of God, you got to come off the meat, I mean the milk and you got to start eating the meat at some point in time. Let me tell you something. This pandemic has tested the fortitude of your house. That's what it's done. Don't get it twisted. God's word has not changed. But the challenges of life, your, your Canaanites, your Jebusites, your Hivites, your, 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 uh, the, 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 the uh, Gergeshites, and, and all of the challenges of life have come and gone, ebbs and flows. But when this one came, your house wasn't fortified. And people started losing their faith. And some people have even lost their faith. It has become weakened in some places and completely absent in others. But the word of God has not changed. The word of God is still the same. The authority is still of Christ. And Christ is still coming back for the church. Amen. And so let me finish this. And so he's saying, because we're dealing with the authority of the right hand of God, the authority. And so I bring you here. He says, look, in verse number 28, and it came to pass when Jesus has ended these sayings. Now, Jesus is the one speaking. This is the master teacher speaking. This is not this is not one of the disciples. This is not one of the apostles. This is Jesus speaking. These are the things that the apostles were observing and hearing and learning so that they would be able, if you will, to articulate it when it became their opportunity to speak God's word. But in the beginning, it was Christ who started his ministry and Christ started his ministry with these words Christ wasn't mincing words Christ was coming right down the line saying Lord Lord and saying you're prophesying and casting out devils and you're doing all this stuff if you're doing it in a pretentious way I know who you are that is Christ saying these things 
Not many that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so he goes on and they say, they say that they, 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 when he ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching, that is doctrine. They were astonished. And then he says, for he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. The right hand of God has authority. And so we listen to his teaching. And that's why we that's why we receive the seed. We receive the word of God. Remember the seed of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. The seed of the sower is referring to Christ. Christ is the sower of the seed. And then you have the devil who sold some stuff too. Amen. But Christ is the sower of the seed. And I'm so thankful to God that when the, when the apostles, and, and God bless the apostles, because see, the apostles really, they wanted to be helpful, and they wanted to be resourceful, and they have their place, and they should have their place of honor, because God said they should have their place of honor. But with that being said, even when the apostle says, Lord, you want us to run out there into the field and, and, and tear out the weed and, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the weeds from among the wheat, Jesus said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because they all look the same. You don't know which, but I know which one they are. And when I come, I shall separate the chaff from the wheat, the sheep from the goat, the right from the left. Because I know who's the righteous and who's the unrighteous. But you keep doing what I ask you to do. You go on and teach and preach my word. That's what you do. And he that heareth the word of God and believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. You see, but, but, but he, Jesus goes on. And if you flip quickly over to the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter in Matthew chapter 28. Bible says in verse number 16. Matthew 28 and verse number 16. The right hand is speaking. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into, an, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Even among the disciples, faith was still challenged. You see? See, your faith can become challenged, but don't let it fail. We are human beings. We live in the flesh. And the flesh is weak. But don't ever let your spirit become willing. You, you, you got you to hold on to God's unchanging hand. You got to hold on. And, 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 and I'm telling you, it, it, you know, if, 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 if the challenges of life, which are many and varied, don't affect your faith, then you don't have a spiritual conscience. It is because you have a spiritual conscience that these things of life affect you. If you don't have a conscience, you would not care. Well, when you have a conscience, you care. You care about the people who have lost loved ones to this pandemic. Because guess what? They're not coming back. They're not coming back. 
There is no reincarnation. Well, they die, but they're going to come back as a butterfly because I just knew them as a butterfly when they were here. They ain't coming back in no butterfly. They ain't coming back. They wait for the judgment. And, if, and, and those who are here who have, who have, who have, who have been impacted so uh, 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 disastrously by, the, by the, the events that have occurred in their individual lives that have now left the faith and, and walked away from the faith, guess what? If you don't come back and restore your life, you could be in jeopardy of being lost as well. It's not one saved, always saved. Revelations 2 and 10 says you have to be faithful unto death. And then you'll receive a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away. But I go on in Matthew chapter 28. As I solidified the authority point. They went to a place where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power. That's all authority. All excusia has been given unto me. All power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus is now identifying that through his resurrection and his ascension, all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. You see? So, 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 so this should help us understand that no matter who came before or who came after, Jesus is our focal point. Because that's where the power lies. That's where the authority is. He is the inflection point. And so we might see wonderful men, wonderful men, wonderful women who have come in and out of our own generation of lives where you were born and you've seen men struggling for, for peace and, and, and virtue and, and all kinds of other justices and things of, of the world. Let me tell you something. There's only one person who has authority to save the soul, and that is Jesus. That is Jesus. And that's the most important thing that matters to humanity is the saving of the soul. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, he's, spe he's speaking to the disciples, those 11 disciples. Go ye into all the world, he says, and, and all the nation. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. That is by the authority of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to do what? Observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Even Jesus knew how to say amen. And nowadays we got to do a holy dance and clap all over the place. We just can't say amen. You just say amen. Now why is that important? Because now you have the gospel according to John. I'm linking these together. I'm, 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 I'm giving you the right hand. It's going to be all right. We're in, our, we're in our closing. This is our closing argument. Saving of your soul. Jesus says here in John 12. In verse number 48. I'm, I'm sorry, not 48. I, I'm, I'm already where I wanted to be. John 12, it, it dropped down, if you will, to verse number 42. There you go. John 12, verse number 42. Place of authority. The right hand is a place of authority, place of power. And maybe that's why people want to say, oh, Jesus was just one of the prophets. Because if you say Jesus is just one of the prophets, then you put him on the level of everybody else. So you can either obey him or not obey him, right? But that's not where God placed him. Because, see, I don't care who else you try to believe in. 
there's only one right hand of God. And guess what? It's not vacant. Somebody's sitting in that seat. And his name is Jesus. I'm just trying to help us here. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. I'm just trying to hurt. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to hope you. Verse number 42 in John 12, he says, look, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, see, people don't want to believe on Jesus because they got they got friends and family and relationships that they. That influence them. And you do know who's influencing them, right? If they influencing you, you know who's influencing them, right? Do I have to go get scripture for that? This ain't nothing new. This, 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 this thing that we, that we are living through is not new. If, if you read through the biblical text and you begin to link the stories together, you'll see that there's some, it's, it's like your favorite, you, you, whatever soap opera you watch. And, you, you know, you, you watch uh, uh, Days of Our Lives or One Life to Live or General Hospital. Brother Cope, you know all them soap operas? Yeah, I used to be home during the day. And, yeah, I used to work at night at home during the day trying to study. I, you know, needed a distraction. But then you notice that every time you watch these, they all seem to have the same storylines. After a while, it becomes boring. You watch Days of Our Life, and you see the same storyline in General Hospital. Yeah, all right, I'm done. Some of the young people say, I don't even know what you're talking about. But you have relationships that will distract people because the influences of Satan. And guess what? These things become repetitive because we know who's influencing your friends. And if your friends can influence you, you got to know the source of it. How do I know that? Because if you go back to the beginning, the devil didn't go straight to Adam. <laughs> the devil went to he, she who could have influence of him. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The devil, the devil will walk up to Adam. Adam like, what, what you doing here? You know you ain't supposed to be up in here. Adam knew. Adam knew. God told him. You can eat of every tree of the garden except for one in the midst of the garden. Adam had dominion. Adam told Eve. God told Eve. But what does the devil do? The devil knew he couldn't get directly to Adam. So what did he do? He went through Eve. He influences Eve. And when Eve becomes influences, what does he do? She goes and, and gives it to Adam. I'm like, just, you know, hey, sweetie, I'll, let me taste what it is you eat. And then when Adam ate, that's when God came walking. God said, wait a minute now. You, you're the one supposed to be dealing with this. And, and now you know the influence. The influence is where it is. The devil influenced Eve. Eve influenced Adam. And then God came walking. And let me tell you something. Whenever you see this story, don't ever forget this. God knew what happened. God knows what happens in our lives. He knows those who influence you, influences you. And so that's why he says, look, don't assemble yourselves with those you, who influence you. You got to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Now I will be your God and you shall be my people. So back in John, he goes on and says, the Pharisees, they did, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. 
for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You see, a lot of Christians don't lose their souls because of their friends. Jesus cried and said, Jesus cried and said, he that believeth on me, believeth not on him, uh, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light. I am come a light. There's a whole lot of darkness going on. I've come a light, not, Lord have mercy. I've come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If if, if man heard that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, just like the apostle said, we speak not ourselves, but Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, yeah, the Father has ultimate authority. But during this dispensation, he is delegated authority to Christ. And that's why Christ said, I can, I have all power in heaven and in earth. And, and he goes on and says, look, he says, for I have not spoken of myself, but the father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whosoever, whatsoever, I'm sorry, whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father saith unto me, so I speak. I, if, if you don't get this, if you don't get anything else in this sermon this morning, end with this in your thought and in your mind. Jesus is a member of the Godhead. He is the Son of God. That's book, chapter, and verse. Philippians chapter 2. He didn't think it robbery to equal with God. Took on the form of a flesh, form of a servant. That's Jesus. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. And the word was with God. The word became flesh. First John 7 and 8. The word is one of the ones who record in heaven. Genesis chapter 1. When God said, let there be light. The Bible says, then there was light. The Bible teaches us in John as he, as he connects it to Genesis. At our beginning, at the beginning of the creation... There was nothing made that he did not make. That is Christ. Christ was the one handling creation. When God the Father said, let there be light, Christ got to work. Holy Spirit helping them, who brooded upon the face of the water. They were in the beginning. All three were in the beginning. Let us make man. Us in the English language is plural. Let the Elohim make man. The Godhead. But with all of that, Christ still recognized that is the Father who has ultimate authority. And recognizing that Jesus says, I don't speak of myself, but I speak of the Father that sent me. That's how the apostles learned the importance of following after the truth of God's word. We are servants sent into a world of darkness. We are lights in the world. Jesus was the light, but the light went back home to glory. The apostles became the light. The light of the apostles have, been, have, uh, have gone away because of the end of that dispensation. Now the Bible says we are the light. The city that sitteth upon a hill that cannot be hid. 
and we shine forth in darkness. And you know what? We don't have the authority to bring our own word into this darkness. We have to bring the word of God. Because that's the only thing that can draw people out of the light, out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. We have to bring the word of God. And so when we start manipulating the word and, and, and doing all kinds of stuff that we think, let me tell you something. What you do is you weaken the power of your sword. The devil like, go ahead and change it. Go ahead and change it. Yeah, do that. Do that. Do that. Because he knows the more you change the word, the weaker it becomes. You got to ask yourself a question. Got to ask yourself a question. What is challenging the faith of man today? What is challenging the faith of man today? In or out of the church, what is challenging the faith of man today? People don't know what it means to have a spiritual life. And you can't have a spiritual life without God. And the devil knows that it is your spiritual life that grounds and strengthens every other part of your life. You can be mentally, intellectually smart. You can, you, can, you can be physically built where you can lift 400 pounds. You can even have emotional intelligence where you can have control and stability of your emotions. But let me tell you something. If you don't have a spiritual foundation, you have nothing. You have nothing. Because guess what? As soon as you can't lift those 400 pounds anymore, what do you do? As soon as you start losing your mental capacity, what do you do? As soon as your emotions are all over the place, what do you do? The only place that you can find is that solid foundation, which is the spiritual foundation, which is fortified by only one person, and that is Christ. Paul says there's no other foundation that any man can lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. When you lay Christ Jesus as your foundation in your spiritual heart, all those other things just become natural byproducts of a strong spirit. Lord, help us all. The right hand of God has all authority. And by having all authority, he continues to lead the apostles, as Paul would let us know in the Corinthian text. He continues to lead the apostles. And, and by leading the apostles, he continues, he continues through his word. For those who believe, uh, he will lead us. The right hand, I, I share this because I, I went back and forth into the Old Testament. And I want you to see that the, the idea of the right hand of authority is not something that's unusual. Because you can see it among the children of Israel. And you can see where Joseph was, was, was getting ready to lay hands on on, on uh, uh, with his father rather was laying hands upon his children it was always based on the right hand he that went under the right hand was the one that was given authority and honor when we as Christians the Bible says we give each other the right hand of fellowship it's always a position of authority and honor and so we see that this 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 idea of the right hand is so important because it it, 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 it it continues to magnify the significance of who we are as Christians. Because the Bible says, since Christ sits at the right hand of God, guess where the Christians sit? We sit at the right hand as well. We're in a position of authority and a position of power. 
But let me tell you something. With much, uh, he that is given much, there is required much. To whom much is given, much is required. God didn't have to save us. He didn't, give us the, he didn't have to give us the opportunity to be saved. We could have died in them streets that we were in. But you obeyed the gospel. And so you're here. And through your obeying the gospel, he didn't have you be blessed to obey the gospel for you to squander that blessing. He had you to obey the gospel so you can help somebody else. Because that's what the apostles did. And they were willing to sacrifice relationships and friendships and whatever for people to understand what truth is. And I pray that as we, could, as we start continuing to get deeper and deeper into this discussion about, uh, about uh, 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 God and, 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 and uh, the Father and this relationship of the Son and the Holy Spirit and how they have worked together to get us to a point where we are following and flowing through this wilderness, being guided by the light that they have provided, which is the word of God, as it continues to point its way towards heaven's glory. I pray that we have an opportunity in our lives to share that message with somebody else. To share that message with somebody else. Sitting at the right hand of the Father is Christ. The seat is occupied. But here's the blessing. And here's my close. Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, look what he says. Because he, he wants, Paul, when Paul writes, he's writing... He's writing to, to encourage us to understand the significance of the relationship that we, that we as Christians, that we as the ones being influenced by the apostles' doctrine. As Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 1, we quote those, tech, those, those chapters in Acts all the time. The, the book of Acts is actually in the, in the, in the Greek, in the koine, is the practices of the apostolos, the practices of the apostles. Luke records this book, and he gives us these, these, uh, uh, these stories about what the apostles did. And when he talks about Peter and, and being on the day of Pentecost and, and how they, were, they, were, they, were, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That doctrine is the word of God, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 6, look at the influence that it has on the Christian, on the one who wants to obey God, the one who wants to make heaven their home. That's the influence of the testimony of the right hand of, the, uh, of God, that, that is Jesus. Look at the blessing. What shall we say then? Paul begins with a question. What shall we say then? He's not asking you for an answer. It's a rhetorical question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Lord have mercy. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Oh, we can just continue to do what we're doing because everybody's going to be saved. That's not what that text says. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then he comes back and says, God forbid. Because see, y'all, y'all would ask the question, yeah, we continue in sin. <laughs> because the most difficult thing about humanity is change. I don't want to change. You become comfortable in Babylon. I mean, Inglewood. I mean, Los Angeles. You become comfortable. Ezekiel got to go lay down and have his body be sacrificed just for you to even, even try to figure out, man, why are you laying down here? It's been a long time. Laying. I'm laying down here not for my sake but for yours because y'all running around here acting like y'all don't know why y'all in Babylon. 
Why is all this happening? I don't understand. How is all this happening? Why is, I mean, you, everybody, all the world is confused about why this is happening as if God is still not on the throne. Amen. What you need to do is start listening. Amen. God is talking. Amen. Your flesh is fragile. You're not going to be here always. Amen. Life will come to an end. In some form or another, your life will end. Whether it is by some pandemic or plane crash or a car crash or some other type of disease or virus, life will end. Physical life will end. But where does your soul go? That's the question. Where does your, where does your soul go? Romans 6, Paul says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead, in sin, or dead to sin, rather, Live any longer therein. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Into Jesus Christ. He's placing us in the concept of his authority, his honor. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ, thank God, like as Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together, do you guys get the rationality of the seed? If we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. When I die to, when I die to the world through the watery grave of baptism, I am freed from the darkness. Because now I've become part of what? The marvelous light. That transition happens through the watery grave of baptism. Maybe that's why there are so many religions that say baptism is not necessary. Because the devil knows that if you go through the water grave of baptism, then you're being freed from sin. Lord have mercy. But if you die in your sin, where he is, you cannot come. You see the significance? The devil knows the spiritual issues that are at stake. The question is, does does the Christian know? Baptism is essential because it is a transition from the darkness to the light. From sin to righteousness. To walk after that. And the only person that has the authority to save your soul is Christ. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth you should not serve sin. For he, is, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto a sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God for his authority. 
because it gives me light. And that light is the life of all men. Let not sin therefore reign. Reign where? In your mortal body. That ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members are instruments of righteousness unto God. Sin shall have no dominion over you, for ye are not under that law or under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. I'm going to end here. Know ye not? You see, there's some things we need to know. There's some things that people need to know in order for their souls to be saved. They need to know where the authority is. They need to know where righteousness is. They need to know where godliness is. They need to know where heaven is. They need to know where salvation is. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your members' servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether uh, of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. I pray that you yield yourselves to righteousness. Become obedient unto God's word. Become obedient unto the truth. Become obedient unto the seed that should feel your spiritual hearts, your mortal bodies. I pray this morning that if you are a member of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, that you have been, you have been edified by this sermon to, 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 to hope you and to encourage you to, if you're, to stay in the ways, to stay in the gate that leadeth unto everlasting life. Don't let yourself become distracted by the insanity that's going on in the world. It is not the first time. And it won't be the last if the Lord bless us to continue to live. We don't want to lose more generations to false teaching. Somebody has to take a stand on what's true so that those who are in darkness can see the way out. But we got to know something. Those of you who are members of the body of Christ, you know this, but those of you who are not members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, you don't know this, but now hopefully you will know. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Our priorities of life are not about the flesh. Our priorities of life is about the spirit. The Bible says, Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We repent of our sins. We acknowledge that we've fallen short of God's glory. We've lived under the principalities and the powers of the air, that is, of, of the influences of Satan. But now we walk in the spirit of God. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to them who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, Romans 8 and 1. We don't fulfill the law of the flesh anymore. We focus on fulfilling the law of the spirit. For the law of the flesh is sin and death. But the law of the spirit is righteousness. And I pray that you'll come. Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts 17 and 30, God commandeth every man everywhere to repent. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, one day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. It's time for you to come. 
confessing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's time for you to come. It's time for you to come. Going down to the water of grave of baptism with the blood of Christ by faith cleanses us from all of our past sins. On Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and in verse number 37 and 47, when they asked Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sin. That's the transition from the darkness. As we read in Romans chapter 6, that's the transition from darkness. You've got to be baptized for the remission of your sin. That's the transition from darkness into the marvelous light. And when you come into the marvelous light, he, that marvelous light is in his son, in Christ Jesus, in the church, in the kingdom of God, in the house of God. The Bible says in Acts 2.47 uh, 2, that they who are being baptized, if you will, were being added to the church. He added to the church daily those that should be saved and those that were being saved. And it's time for you to come. Let God add you to the light. Let him add you to the light so you can begin your journey through the tra in traversing through these challenges of life so that one day you can meet the purpose of God, the authority of the salvation of the church. Why don't you come right now and we stand and sing the invitational song. Why don't you come? No longer to linger, charmed by the world, delighted. have alert my son you know what I will hasten to him hasten so glad and free Jesus greatest highest I will come to thee I am resolved to go to the Savior leaving my sin and strife he is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. You know that I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Resolve to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith and do what he willeth. He is the living way. You know that I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. And Jesus, the greatest, highest, I will come to thee. You know that I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. And Jesus, the greatest, highest, I will come to thee. You know that I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. In Jesus' greatest, highest, I will come to thee.
God bless you. Okay, she wanted to confess sin, so she's confessing sin also as well. I have um, also a card from our very own sister, Shirley Joseph. She has a special prayer. prayer. She says, please pray for my nephew, Tanja Webster, and Sharon William. Both are in the hospital. Sister Webster. I have a card from very own sister, Darlene Hester. She has a prayer, um, special need for someone else. Statement on her card says, pray for traveling grace, pray for my possible surgery, prayer for Deborah, Daryl, Annette, Gary, Michael, David, Christopher, Gilbert, the Lyft driver. Prayer for all those. From our members, we have uh, Sister Erica Chandler. She's Desiring prayer for a special.